Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 2nd of August with me, Bernadette Anderko. Looking to this week, the Bank of England is the next big central bank meeting tomorrow. Headline consumer price inflation in the UK slid to 7.9% in June from 8.7% in May, while core inflation remained sticky at an annualised 6.9%. Headlines say that the market's pricing in around a 62% chance that the Monetary Policy Committee will opt for a 25 basis point hike and that the remaining 38% expect a 50 basis point hike tomorrow. Dario Messi is going to let us know what our analysts expect on the show. But first, my colleague Roman Canciani is going to bring us up to speed on the market highlights since we last spoke to you on Monday morning. Good morning, Bernadette. So Roman, I think the most important news this morning for financial markets is the downgrade of the US by one of the three big rating agencies. Fitch has downgraded the US sovereign debt from AAA to AA+. Citing the country's ballooning fiscal deficits and an erosion of governance that's led to repeated debt limit clashes over the last 20 years or so. What do you see in the news and and how have markets reacted so far? Yes, true. Well, this is really a very interesting move by Fitch. Uh, As a result of this, Moody's is the only one of the big rating agencies maintaining the top-notch rating for the U.S., Fitch's decision has already drawn a lot of criticism from many economists overnight. Larry Summer, for example, the former Treasury Secretary and Harvard professor, said while there are reasons for concern about the long-term trajectory of the US deficit, the country's ability to service its debt wasn't in doubt. That the idea of creating the risk of a default on US Treasury debt was simply absurd. Markets reacted accordingly. After initially rising, US Treasury yields fell over the past hours and are now at 402 over 10 years and 489 over two years, slightly lower than before Fitch's decision. The US dollar is also fairly unimpressed, trading slightly higher after dropping initially. Only gold as a classical safe haven is a few dollars more expensive this morning, with one ounce trading around 1,950 US dollars. Thank you for that, Roman. Now, with uh, many of our regular listeners out yesterday for Swiss National Day holiday, what's your take on yesterday's trading action for them? Well, yeah, the first trading day in August turned out a mirror image of the miserable weather here in Switzerland, especially in Europe. Uh, Drivers of the downturn were a flurry of weaker than expected earnings results, some mixed data on job openings in the US and some reports highlighting that manufacturing activity continues to contract in the US, Europe and China. While Europe ended the day down deeply in the red, in the US, the S&P 500 managed to almost hold, ending the day 0.3% lower, but with only two out of its 11 sectors closing in the green, namely industrials and tech. Biggest detractors yesterday were consumer discretionary and utilities. Okay, so you mentioned some mixed data on jobs, and I guess that's what caught most analysts' attention as they prepare for the July jobs report on Friday. Is that is that right? Yes, uh, well, this week is Chops Week in the US, uh, with the all-important non-farm payrolls for July to be published on Friday. Yesterday, the so-called Scholz data kicked off a string of US labor data. On the one hand, they showed a certain slowing of demand for workers, and on the other hand, a low in layoffs, all in all supporting the narrative for a soft landing in the US, a term describing slower growth but no recession over the coming 12 months. And maybe also one of the reasons for industrials to outperform yesterday. Overall, the important bit of this data was that US job openings are now back down at levels last seen in 2021. 
Uh, you mentioned uh, earnings reports, um, underwhelming analysts' expectations. Uh, what stood out for you? Yes, well, markets had to digest a few reports which really surprised to the downside. German carmaker BMW, for example, dropped more than 5% after it warned about the higher cost for developing electric cars. And also logistics giant DHL fell by more than 5% after it warned that profits will probably miss analysts' estimates. But Caterpillar, the maker of those yellow bulldozers and excavators, gained almost 9% after beating expectations, but warning of lower margins ahead. After the close of business, advanced micro devices gained about 5% after topping second quarter estimates and saying that it was on the right track with regard to artificial intelligence computing. Okay, and actually now on the topic of earnings announcements, I would like to remind listeners that on the podcast tomorrow morning, we'll have our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rachete, who's going to give us a weekly roundup on that topic. But now back to today, Roman. Um, what's been happening in Asia this morning? Well, of course, Fitch's decision to downgrade the US was also there, the major discussion point, souring the general sentiment. Also, some more political measures for economic support by Chinese policymakers failed to reverse the mood there. And also Japan is deeply in the minus as the yen strengthens, which is usually bad for the export-oriented part of the economy there. So the two biggest markets, Hong Kong and Japan, are both deeply in the red, down about 2%, while China onshore stocks are down about 0.5%. So finally, Roman, uh, looking at the trading day ahead, what is it that investors should be looking out for today? Yeah, well, European stocks are likely to keep on trading in the red after the blow to sentiment by Fitch. In terms of data, we'll have Swiss manufacturing PMIs and Irish unemployment. In the afternoon, there will be the second set of US data this week on the labour market with ADP employment expected at 190,000. Remember, ADP data last month were exceptionally strong at almost 500,000 and caused some volatility then. But for now, US futures are still deeply in the red. That's it for me. Thank you very much for the update there, Roman. So now it's time to reflect on central bank activities and our fixed income analyst, Dario Messi, is joining me. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, first, let's reflect on what's already happened. Uh, last week, we had major central banks uh, taking the main role, the Fed and the ECB. What did investors take out of those meetings? Is it good or bad news for bond investors? I would say not bad news per se. So the financial market and, and bond investors specifically, obviously, they always try to gain some insights on these occasions on what to expect also going forward, right? And probably except for the Bank of Japan, the major central banks delivered the expected, which was at the end very little guidance. Um, policymakers are at this point really not ready to commit to any action simply also because uh, central bankers themselves, they do not really know the exact progress in this disinflation process that we are in and certainly also don't want to call victory too early. So the mantra here is pretty clear, as flexible as possible. And, uh, and you know, the, this missing guidance, as I said before, is not bad news per se for, for bond investors. In fact, uh, for me, it suggests that we are likely at or very close to the peak of the tightening cycle. Okay, so then uh, you referenced uh, the Bank of Japan, and on Friday they surprised markets somewhat, didn't they? I mean, they they tweaked their policy of yield curve control in order to allow the ten-year Japanese government bond yield to rise slightly higher from now, and I believe that's a move that the markets had anticipated coming at some stage, but perhaps not just yet. So, what do they make of it, and what should investors expect now? 
Uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, the Bank of Japan introduced this uh, uh, rather unexpectedly more flexible approach in its yield curve control, as you said, um, basically saying, look, our 50 basis points around uh, our target of 0% for the 10-year government bond yield is not as rigid anymore. Um, and yes, if we look at the market move, uh, the 10-year so-called JGB yield went quickly up after this announcement. And um, with yields in Japan now higher, uh, domestic investors might want to bring some of these plenty funds that they have parked outside of the country back home, at least at some point. So overall, I would say this element, uh, isolated, uh, might give some slight but constant upward pressure on yields over the coming months. Okay, so apart from Japan, you were talking about peaking rates and the US economy seems very resilient. So why do we still have a negative view on riskier credits, Dario? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the important thing for us is how long are we staying in this restrictive territory and how much damage will this do to certain bond segments, specifically, obviously, the riskier ones. And if you look, for example, at the default rate in the loan market, which uh, typically translates higher market rates much faster into higher actual costs, uh, given their floating rate nature of the liabilities, there you see already how the default rate accelerated compared to the bond market, where the transmission takes much longer and also the uh, default rate pick up very slowly, but it's picking up. And the longer we stay at these tight levels with this high financing costs, this just puts pressure on weaker credits on an ongoing basis, making it very difficult for these issuers to, to refinance and service all their debt obligations. So, you know, valuations also of riskier segments are still not very appealing in, in light of this uh, ongoing default cycle and less risky bets are also just a very good alternative at this point. Okay. Now we've been talking about central banks and tomorrow we've got the Bank of England. Uh, what can we expect? Yeah, I mean, the Bank of England is kind of in a real dilemma. And I would say this topic would be worth a, an own episode. We'll certainly talk about this at some point. But for tomorrow, um, 25 basis points is the base case and also what, what we have in our books. Uh, however, we think it's very likely also that we can't talk uh, of a peak uh, yet here uh, for, for the Bank of England, even after a better CPI print that we that most feared uh, recently. So more hikes to come. Exactly. Okay. And then lastly, just two words. Roman obviously mentioned the big news of the day, Fitch cutting the US credit rating to AA+. Should investors be worrying? We don't think at least at this point that this will have a kind of a immediate impact uh, for, for financial markets and also for our investment positions, especially if you think about the two reasons that Roman mentioned. We have this worsening fiscal position and then the governments. Uh, the worsening fiscal position is certainly important, but uh, for the US downgrade, probably not the most important one. It's this repeated occurrence of debt limit standoffs that we see um, and this really reveals some governance issues and puts pressure on confidence. Uh, that's clear. We, we saw this already. Um, so, yes, the last minute deal, I mean, to suspend or increase debt ceilings is certainly not very supportive, uh, as we have seen in the past. Um, also, if you think about it, I mean, this debt limit rule is really instrumentalized by politicians in budget negotiations. And if you think about it, the debt level the pause there is really just a result of already passed and thus also agreed on legislation. So 
overall, if, if we take it together now, coming back to the investment conclusion, I think uh, the immediate investment implication is very limited. U.S. Treasury notes remain one of the most liquid and safest assets, at least in, in terms of uh, counterparty risk. And there are really few alternatives showing similar char characteristics on this dimension at this point. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, Dario. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you for listening. Please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back and she'll be here with our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.